We started a new series last week called Rhythms, and uh, with rhythm, there is this term called the pocket. Um, and some of you that have been around music in your life, or, or maybe you've heard this term, it's called pocket. And, and, and with rhythm, and why we're calling this series Rhythms is because with rhythm, there's like a predictable pattern, an expected beat that keeps everything kind of consistent. And so even though the chords might go from major to minor in our life, like there is this consistent rhythm that I think has to do with something with the spiritual seasons that God, sometimes he leads us and sometimes we lead ourselves into. Uh, and so catch up on last week's uh, message on that. But, but the pocket is about just being in the right part of the rhythm, not rushing ahead and not lagging behind. It's just like right. It just like feels the pocket. And so when you tell that to a band, like, hey, let's, let's find the pocket. That means let's don't, we're, some of us are dragging, some of us are speeding up. And, and I, I, what I hope through this series is as we kind of take the, the next month or so, that you, you'll learn to find the pocket in whatever season God's got you in, whether that's the harvest season or if it's the sowing season, the pruning season, or even the dry season where you can just live in the pocket, and you don't have to rush out of it, and you don't have to lag behind it or, or be bitter about it, but you can just embrace it. Because when the rhythm's right, when it's in pocket, Lee, Lee's a drummer, like, when, it, when it's in pocket, it doesn't matter what the tempo is. It doesn't matter what the chords are. It, it feels right, and there's a peace that comes with that embracing of that pocket, and so that's all, that's all your music lesson today, your jazz music lesson for today. Um, but yeah, I'm just anxious to dive in. Last week we talked about dry seasons, and so if you missed that, check it out on the Apple uh, iTunes podcast or, or on our website or SoundCloud or one of those venues. But um, a, a dry season really comes from one or two things. If you can just crank me down, it's, it's echoing pretty bad. So um, if it, it comes one of two ways. It, we either go through a self-inflicted dry season in which we've made decisions, we've done things to get ourselves in this dry season where it's not all the feels, but it's none of the feels. It feels like everything we're, we're doing, there's no fruit, um, there's no moisture in our spiritual life. It's just dry. Our relationships are dry. Our spiritual walk is dry. Our finances are running dry. And I think you could even experience this in, in kind of different pockets, like in just certain parts of your life. And all the principles apply to just maybe a certain area, your relationships or your finances or or uh, ministry-wise, or whatever that might look like, your marriage. And so all of them can be applied to these subsets. And I was, I, as I was preparing, last week we looked at dry, and this week we're going to look at sowing season. And sowing season. as I began to just study the scriptures and ask God, I really told myself ahead of time, I'm not going to make this a financial message. I just told myself, like, we did ABCs of Financial Freedom in March, and like we did a whole workshop there, and, and that went really well. But I wasn't going to do it, and, and as I studied the scriptures, I just found that pretty much any time we're talking about sowing, we're talking about finances in the scriptures. And so it, it would be wrong of me to do anything except teach this from a financial perspective. But I will tell you this, that when the Bible talks about money, when God sets principles for money, it's never about the money because God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. And so it's never about money. So if you're one of those people like everybody on uh, planet earth that when we talk about money we get nervous and like we kind of tense up I just want you to relax because here's what I know about every single person in the room and, and any believer is that we want a harvest season 
Like we would love a harvest season. We're jealous of harvest season when it's happening in somebody else's life, but not our own. And here's, here's the first and most basic principle that we're going to look at is that sowing is so directly connected to harvest. So if you want any kind of harvest in your life, in your relationship, in your job, in your marriage, in your finance, if you want any kind of harvest, then we've got to care about sowing. And I think seeing this through a, a, a financial perspective, which is what's happening, a generosity perspective, is really going to begin to set the foundation how we can apply that in so many areas of our life. A couple of years ago, I was having coffee with a, a guy you guys know who, who his family used to be a part of the team here. They moved out to Washington, but uh, Chris and, and Alex Losey, I was, I was having uh, uh, coffee. He was having coffee. I was watching him drink coffee, um, <laughs> and uh, we were having this, I, we had this kind of thing that popped up about cliches that we were like, oh, let's, it, it's sad that like cliches, like there's a reason they became cliches because they were powerful, and they resonated to the point that it got inundated in society so much that it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's just cliche where it's like, let's don't be so cliche. And I'm like, hey, we should make like a coffee table book or like a bathroom reader with like this beautiful art connected to all these cliches. And we tell the history on them and like re, like invent the cliches where they'll come to life again because they, they actually resonate. And, and where we're going to go in the text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And you've heard it. And as I read it, you'll be like, yep, heard that before. And you'll kind of begin to, because it's cliche, but like there's a reason it's cliche. Um, it's because it's so powerful and it's very easy for us to miss. And I, and I, I just bet, like in some area of our life, we're going to be able to look and be like, man, I've missed this very basic principle. And I've been frustrated about the lack of harvest or the dry season and, and I think if you'll begin to understand sowing, you'll skip a lot of self-inflicted dry seasons. If you can really begin to embrace and, and understand that sowing is a part of it, then we're going to begin to skip the dry season many times because we lead ourselves into dry seasons more than God does. God doesn't want us in that. God wants us living water overflowing on a daily and monthly and seasonal basis. But sometimes he does need to take us there in order to get us to the other side. So let's look in the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this cliche text even, and then we're going to study uh, much further into it. Let me just kind of set this up. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He's writing a letter. Uh, there's 1 and 2 Corinthians, and actually it, we theologians really believe that there's probably four letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. This is probably the fourth letter that he's written. We actually think there was probably one in between um, 1 Corinthians, which is actually the second letter he wrote, which I know this is confusing. Um, but anyway, uh, there's just some, some details in the text that, that bring us to this understanding. And so he's writing to the church, and he begins by saying, I don't really need to talk to you about this. I don't really need to talk to you about generosity, because you get generosity. Um, he had just begun, he was bragging about another church, the Macedonian church, and how like even when they're in extreme poverty, it wells up in extreme generosity. Like it, they, their faith is so huge that even if they're in poverty, like they have this just willingness and sacrificial heart to give and help the church, the early church go forward. And I just wonder how many people in the Macedonian church and the early church like lived in extreme po poverty but sacrificed so that the gospel could get to the United States of America one day. Like just, just begin to process that and what corners of the, the earth like God can take the gospel through our sacrifice and through our generosity. And so he's speaking to the Corinthian church and he's like, you guys are 
amazing givers. I don't really need to talk about this, but he's like, but I want to remind you of something, okay? And, and, and it's been well documented. I, I just believe you're a super generous people, and like God has provided all of our needs, and, and, and we've done amazing ministry, but I just believe we're scratching the surface for what God wants to do through us and in us, and I want us to be known as a generous church, as the Macedonian church, and as the church at Corinth are known for. So let's pick up at verse 6 at the cliche. He says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Like very simple, basic principle. What's the cliche there? You reap what you sow, right? Like that's the cliche that was taken here. And so it's infiltrated and inundated society now. And you probably learned that before you realized that was a biblical text. And there's a bunch of them out there where wisdom from the scriptures just becomes common knowledge but it really came from the scriptures. Um, and, and so there's a lot of other places we could go on that. But th- this is important for us to grasp because it's so cliche. Because we've heard it before, it, it just goes in one ear and out the other. And it's so basic. And, and like the full part of the text is really important. Like it, it's not just like sowing, but it's the proportion in which you sow. And it's going to go on to tell us it's the manner in which you sow. That, that really impacts the product of what you've sowed, the production of what you've sowed. It's a, it's a really basic principle. Like, let me, let me just um, kind of set an example here for you. So, according to the scripture, like, if I sow, like, let's, let's just use our, our common sense basic. I've got one tiny little seed. If I, if I plant this one seed in there, what can I expect to return Let's do, let's do this. Let's talk out loud. What do we expect to return off that one? One. Hopefully, right? Like Taryn and I are, some would call stubborn. We're really persistent. We're really trying to have green thumbs, but they just are black. And like, we can't figure out how to keep anything alive. And so actually, I like scraped some, um, some sweet uh, bell peppers the other night. And like, I've got them in like damp cloths. And I'm trying to get some sprouts coming because that's actually the correct way to do this is like get a sprout going and then plant it in here and let it grow. But the, the, the best I can ho- like hope to, to, to reap on my harvest season from this one seed is what? It's one crop that eventually will look like this, but probably in the first season, it's probably just going to be like almost inedible. Like anybody that's done it, it, it really takes a season or two like going through it where we really begin to get some harvest. So like everybody would say like nice, like that head of cabbage would last us a week, like, yay, like, that, that'd be exciting, and, and many times, like, we get really proud of ourselves, like, for the one seed, but, like, we don't want that kind of harvest, like, we want, we want cabbage for the whole year round, like, we would love to live in that season, but in order to, to have a constant harvest, like, it, it's going to take multitude, it's, it's going to take really sprinkling it off. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't can't do it. It's going to take really sprinkling it and like being generous with it and being intentional about our sowing. And and I think we we don't begin to look down on the sowing season anymore. Like I don't think a, a farmer looks down on the sowing season because he knows that the sowing season is directly and in, like connected and inseparably, inseparably connected to the harvest. And so I, I hope I, I like inspire in some way for us to be passionate sowers. 
And, and at first, it might be out of a selfish place, but I believe, like, yeah, like, yeah I love the harvest, but I think we're going to get to a kingdom place and, like, a, a God place in our heart that the, that the sowing is really about his harvest and not our own. And like, that's the purity of our heart, and that's where verse 7 leads us to. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I was in uh, West Virginia leading worship one time at this church, and um, I don't know, it was an interesting culture uh, there, and it had nothing to do with West Virginia, it was just this church was interesting, the pastor was an interesting dude, and so at one time, like, they wanted to raise an offering, I don't remember if it was, like, for our ministry or something else, I think they were trying to raise money for a missionary or something, but the pastor, like, just began to walk around. They did this thing that, like, everyone felt, like, under compulsion. Like, have you ever felt like that before when someone was asking, like, I just feel like I, I don't want anybody to look at me. And, like, I give out of this place of, like, I want this to go away. <laughs> and so this was that kind of moment for me because the pastor is going around and he's like, I need 10 $100 givers right now. Raise your hand. And, like, people started, like, doing it. It got to four. And they're like, I need six more. Like, it's okay, like, if you're at ten, like, let's, or nine, let's get to one more. But, like, four, we got a long way to go from the initial. And so he's like, I need one more. And, like, he just waited. Like, he just sat there and waited until someone gave that next hundred. And he said, okay, I need another hundred. And, like, he just waited. And it was like everybody in the room was like, this is super awkward. And, like, just ready for it to pass on. And then he went to, all right, $50 givers, like, let's do this. Like, I need $20, $50. And he just, this is how his, like, raising money style was that day. Um, God doesn't want us to give it from that place. Like, the second principle of sowing that I, I, we've got to know from this text that Paul is reminding the church at Corinth is that, um, that sowing is purposed in the heart. It's purposed in the heart. Um, it doesn't come out of compulsion. It doesn't come out of a reluctance. Like, it's not, it, it can't come from that place. God's not pleased in it from that place. And, and I know there was, like, one time where um, I, I think I, I shared this um, in years past, but I had this roommate when I was in college. I lived, I was pretty broke, like most are in college, and, like, um, like you know how you get Hot Pockets and there's two, and I don't eat those things anymore, but... Um, my wife won't let me, but, um, uh, I don't know, some kind of study she read, I'm sure, but, um, her degree's in health education, so if you ever wonder where that comes from, she, that's her degree, but anyway, um, so there comes two Hot Pockets, but I can only afford to eat one per meal, okay, that's how, it was tight, and Hot Pockets are cheap, y'all, but, um, so anyway, like, that's, that's where life was, and God, like, told me, and I'm just being transparent with here so you can, kind of see where God's brought me from in this. And he told me to like give $100 to, um, to one of my roommates that I don't know why. God just told me to do it. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And I assumed it was for him to buy groceries so he wouldn't touch my Hot Pockets or drink my milk. I, th I assumed like it was for that reason or he was like in a tight spot or needed gas money or something like that, something that he needed and then, um, so I gave it to him anonymously. He never knew about it. And um, the next day or like two days later, he comes in with like these really nice new blue Nike basketball shoes. Um, and he was like, man, yeah, God just totally blessed me. Like whatever. And I was just looking at it. I'm like, are you serious? 
Like, you bought tennis shoes? Like, you got a whole, like, rack of tennis shoes there. I know that's not why God told me to give this, like, give this. And, like, I was just so mad about it. I was just really mad about it, and it just revealed a lot of what my heart was as giver. That I really needed, I really needed God to show back up with $100 in return, or, like, 60-fold would be awesome, too, or 10-fold, whatever. That would be really nice, but um, my, my heart was, was really jaded there. Long story short, God did actually send anonymously from the least likely person, not anonymously, he, he sent um, $100 to me from someone that I would literally never, ever expect for it to come from. Within a week, I had another $100 that came in the mail. So it was wild. God provided that, but I think he did it in spite of my heart, not because of my heart. So how do we know, like, if we're, if we're sowing from, like, a pure heart, or it's not a compulsion, because sometimes it's weird, right? Is there any such thing as an unselfish act, you know, act, like, right? We always do it with, like, this hope of return, and, like, the, even the scriptures tell us, like, that's a part of God's economy is a return, but I think we can begin to know that, like, our hearts are pure, and I've sowed from this pure place um, with three quick things here that I don't care about the return, I, I know I'm sowing from a pure place when I don't care what he spends the money on, when I don't care how it comes back. That, that's when I know I'm sowing from a, a pure place of like, it's, I'm, not, I'm not all about the return. That's not why I'm in this. I'm, I'm not looking at God like some casino that I can jam some quarters in there and keep pulling until I hit the jackpot. Like God's not a casino. Like I, I'm just doing it to get something back. No, I, I don't care about the return. Like that's when I know I'm doing it from a pure-hearted place, and, and secondly, not only um, uh, that, um, but also that our, um, we don't care who sees it. We don't care who, if others see it. I don't care who's watching. Um, I, I, sometimes you've probably got someone in your life, or you may realize that you are this person here in just a second, but um, whenever someone does something really nice for someone or gives something to someone, they're like every once in a while you'll hear them tell like the story and sometimes it might just be just because they're excited about it and want to share it and they're really kind of proud of themselves and like know that God is, is like they've honored in it um, but other times like I feel like there's people in my life that when they like come and tell me like they've done something really nice and generous like I know like that's the only time they've been generous like since the last time they told me and like that's why they're telling me is because they're like hey look I'm a good dude like I'm I'm nice I'm generous like I want you to know it and like the scriptures, like Jesus talks about that in his first sermon, like about our giving and about our prayer and about our service and about our fasting, that it should be in quiet and that it's not about anyone knowing. And so I don't care who's watching, like when I'm coming from this pure heart, and I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how hard it is. You know, like it's not hard for me to like sow into my kids. And like we just took a vacation and obviously vacation costs money. It wasn't hard for me to do that, even though like logistically and financially, it, it takes a lot to make something like that happen. But it wasn't hard for me from a heart place because I love my wife, because I love my kids. And like these days and these hours are slipping by faster than what I even realize, and I realize it, but it's going by faster than what I even realize. And, and so it, it's not hard for me to do that, though. I'll do whatever it takes to be able to sow into that relationship with my wife and kids because we need that. And so, um, but why, why is it so hard for us to sow into the local church? 
Like, why is it so hard for us to sow into ministry? And the hard answer behind that is I don't, I don't love the local church. I don't, I, don't, I don't love missions as much as I say I do or what I would tell people that I do. And there's more to it, but it, it comes from a heart place. And, and when we're, we're coming from a pure heart, it doesn't, we don't care about the return. We don't care who sees it. We don't care how hard it is. I'll do it. Like, just recently, um, God um, we, we just came out of a harvest season it, in our financial life. It had nothing to do with anything to do with the church or anything to do with our, our business that we run. Um, had nothing to do with either of those things. It was totally God. I didn't, it was unsolicited, like, just blessings of, of people that have, are not associated with this church at all. Um, and it was just like, whoa, God, awesome, like, harvest season. Like, we probably sowed something back when to, to be able to receive this. And... Um, as soon as like we were coming out of that, like the, the moment like we received a gift, I knew it was the last one. <laughs> like we we received like three or four of them in a matter of a couple months. And um, as soon as we got out of it, God said, "You're going into a sewing season." I was like, "All right, let's do this," because that was amazing. <laughs> like let's let's do this. Like I'm all about it. And so God just put uh, a few people on my brain and open. Well, one of me put on my brain right away. The other one, next conversation within a week. This person was not asking for anything, but God just spoke it. You need to be a part of that. You need to sow into that. And so I immediately uh, told Taryn, write a check, send it to this person. And then the next one, God gave me a range. He gave me a range, um, and the top scared me, and the bottom, I was like, all right, that's cool. But he didn't give me, like, an answer, and so I just prayed about it. And I said, okay, God, what do you want, to, what do you want me to do? And so I just sat on it, asked Taryn to pray about it, came back and said, what do you think? She's like, I don't know, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you think. And as I was praying about it, um, which, like, where do you think on the, on the register God asked me to give? <laughs> like, just a guess. Yeah, he, he didn't ask to, get, to give the lowest amount. He, he stretched me. He stretched me and made me give out, out of faith. And that, that's really where this, this, this text goes to in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able to bless you abundantly. And like that's where it came to for me. Like do I believe that God is able? And like that's where sowing and that's where giving like comes from is like do I believe that he's able to bless? Like do I believe that? Do I believe that there is a, a crop that's coming like when I plant it? And, and some of us, we, because we don't believe in our own ability, like that holds us back from truly believing in God's ability, but that's what this is. It's faith in God. And so that's, let's finish reading verse 8 and 9. Uh, is able to make all grace abound to, or abundantly so that in all things, remember the so that, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. He is able so that no matter what's going on, no matter if my air just like, it was just funny how things worked this week. Like, my AC stopped working correctly in my car in the middle of summer. It's always summer, right, when the AC starts acting up. And it was just funny that, like, the day, like, I'm talking to Taryn, like, the morning I am driving, and, like, God has said, okay, this is the amount you're giving. And I'm telling, we've figured out the location we're supposed to make this gift, the amount. And, like, the, the day that happens, like, this AC thing happens, and it's just funny. And then it comes back to, do, do I believe that he's able to bless and not out of my circumstance? So that in all things, at all times, having all that I need, you'll abound in every good work. The third principle there is sowing's about faith in God, very simply. 
It, that's what it's about. Is do I believe, like what, what another text says, like some sow and some harvest, but it's God who makes it grow. Do I believe that it's God who makes it grow? Do I believe that he's, he's able? I want to take you some, through something really practical that will just help you see where the American church and where our church specifically is at in our faith, right? Isn't that kind of hard to quantify? Most of us would think, like, that's really hard to quantify. I don't know that this is a proper quantification, but it's the closest we can get when it comes to do we believe and do we trust God financially. And so I want to kind of just put this pin in the marker here because we told you even at the beginning of the year, like last year, like our church is probably 35% more generous than the average church attending in America. And I was like, yes, it's awesome. But I, I want us to, to, to really give us a picture of what that, that looks like. The, the statistics tell us that in America, the average gift per person is $25 per adult per week. So that adds up to like $1,300 per year, okay? So that's the average uh, nationally. And so um, within Fathom, I, I told you we're about 35% higher than that. So what that number actually comes out to is about 33.75 a week. So like, cool, like we're more generous than everybody else. Like, look at us, <laughs> you know? Um, and and that, that's a sizable difference. What, $400, uh, $450, something like that for the year. And that makes a big difference. It really does. Um, but as I begin to think about this, like, what, what, does, what does God, so I think, does it, do I have the percentages on that? No, not yet. Um, so um, in America, like, there's a median, like, income, and, like, what does, God, what does God ask us for to trust him with, right? When, when we talk about the tithe, what does the tithe literally mean? The tenth, yeah, it's the tenth. It's the ten percent. That's the minimum God commands of us, Okay. And so, and that's a faith thing. It's not a money thing. God doesn't care or, or need the money. Um, but it, it's, it's about a heart thing. Like, do we trust him? That's the same reason he put the Sabbath in place of take a day off is because I, want, I don't want you to think that all your work is about what you do in this soil. I want you to know when you take a day off, I can actually make it grow faster than what you can when you're resting. Like, that's, that's faith in God. Uh, and that's what he did with all of the people Israel. He said, I want other nations. Like, look at Chick-fil-A, for an example. They take that day off, and, like, I think that God's blessing it. Like, it just, every, I never see the drive-through when it's hurting. Like, it's never, it's never, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then it's wrapped around the building. It's insane. So that's the minimum. So, so when we look at how do we figure out, like, where we're at in that, well, the median salary in Mandarin in, in, in North St. John's County is actually a, a lot higher um, than what it is in all of Jacksonville. But all of Jacksonville, it's about 46 grand is the median income. And so if we look at that, what kind of percentage, so the tithe on that, just move the decimal one place, would be like 46. So then do the math there. And so um, that's about 37.5% um, of what God actually is the minimum he asks of us. So uh, take, take a second to just take this in. So the 17.55 is what we're actually giving. The 46, based on what our median income here is, is what God is the minimum God asks of us. So we are giving about just over a third of the minimum. Just over a third, so 37.5 percent of the minimum that God actually asks of us. And so, Pastor, why? Like, 
what's up with this? Like, where, where, where are you taking us here with these, this data and these statistics? Because for me, like, I want to know how we're doing. I want to know where we're at in the faith journey um, because it's all about faith. Like, it, sowing is about faith in God. And this tells me that we're about a third of the way there to the minimum. That's what it tells me. And so while we can celebrate and say, like, we're doing, we're doing better than a lot of people out there, like, we're, we don't have the faith at the minimum yet. And so, like, let that just be a little bit of a weight and a little bit of gut check to us in the house that look in the, in the mirror and, and, like, feel like we're being generous. But the, the, hard, the hard question is that, or, and the hard answer is, is that I don't even trust God with the minimum, let alone generosity beyond that. And so it's about faith in God. And so why would I go into all that is because God has planted so much vision in my heart for our city. And like, like this week, like God just gave me like this huge vision to, for our church to help um, just inspire churches in Duval County and, and in Northeast Florida to be a part of eliminating orphans in our city. Like where there is not a child that is, is sitting out there and has to sit in foster care in the system for a long time. But there are Christian families who are ready to take them in. And I think that just comes through possibly in the vision that God's given me of just being an inspirer and a connector to resource adoption in our city. I think, if, I think there are, are hundreds of families out there who would say yes if they didn't have to raise $20,000 to do it. Like that's just a, a steep hill. And God's just given me vision like that and, and vision after vision after vision of what we could accomplish in this city. But man, it's about faith in God. We're never going to be able to see those things come to pass if we don't have the faith to step out and accomplish them. And so the third thing is, is sowing is about faith in God. That's the only reason I go into that is because it's about faith. And it reveals that, man, we've got some, some ground to make up in our hearts. Um, uh, verse 9, as it is written, he, he has scattered uh, abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, let's pick up and we'll move on. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love this one. This is so powerful. And many times we don't think about this. Like God starts me with a couple of seeds there. And when I'm faithful with those, like there's several parables that Jesus shares about those. He's going to increase the store of my seed. He's going to give me eight more and see what I do with those. And then after that, he's going to increase the store of my seed. And he's going to make sure that there's bread for food. He's always going to make sure there's bread on the table. But he's going to continue to challenge me and grow me into this place where I realize that, that sowing is not only supplied, but it's multiplied by God. It's supplied and multiplied by God. It's, it's weird for me to talk about money, honestly. It's weird for me to talk about money. It's weird for me to talk about generosity because I have to let you into my story a little bit, I think, for you to, to kind of see that, like, I've, I've traveled this journey and I've, I've walked this. I want you to know that I've practiced what I preach and I've, I've, I've been stretched in it. And so I'm not asking you to do anything that, like, I'm not trying to lead the way in. So that's why I talk about it in, in, in so many personal stories but let me just tell you this honest story that Taryn and I have been married just over 10 years now and every single year of our marriage we've given more than what we have in the previous year. And 
the, I think I've only got one standard of living raised that has nothing to do with raises. I think I've gotten one standard of living in 10 years of ministry, okay? And so that doesn't come from a place of like, hey, look at me. I'm saying like, it can be done. It can, it can be done. It, it's a matter of decisions and trusting God and knowing that I just believe that God has started us and we've been faithful with that and he's increased our store of seed and not saying he's just increased my harvest, but actually what happens is now I have more seeds to plant, that's how I saw that harvest season we just came through. It's just more opportunity for me to plant, and it grows. And what's beautiful about this text, somehow I have dirt all over my Bible now. Sorry. Um, he who supplies will increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of what? Your righteousness. Like our greatest harvest is not in our bank accounts. Our greatest harvest is that we look more like him. Because no greater gift than this, no greater love than this, than one that would give his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. God is a giver, and he is able to supply and bless, and like not just in like a small way, but like pressed down, shaken together. Terrence kind of shared that example and what that meant. They would shake the, the, the wheat, and they'd get it down, and they'd press it in until it was just bubbling over like so big that it's just gonna bust. And like that's about being more like him. God can bless in the financial ways too, but man, I want our hearts to be just so, God, just make me more like you. Like what if that was our greatest desire and not just looking for a harvest with everything else, but man, I just I want to be more like him. And when I give, when I'm generous, I look more like God. And, I, and, and there's an opportunity for people to see Jesus even more so. And that's the reason we give, and that's what our hope in that is out of obedience. Verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's amazing. It just begins, like we begin to redefine what rich looks like when we look at the scriptures. As we walk with the Lord, like that maturity that grows is we, we don't look at rich anymore like we used to. We, I think we actually can begin to say the things that Paul said. Like he's like, look, I've been rich and I've been broke. And he said, and I've learned to be content with it all. Like, because I just trust in the Lord. And like, my joy is not affected by that. My trust in God, it doesn't, doesn't come and go with that. Um, my harvest is connected. Um, is in that I look more, more like him. I want you to see this very ending part of the text that's so, so powerful here. Verses 11 through 15. You will be made uh, rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result, I want you to underline this, in thanksgiving to God. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's keep going. There's going to be a bunch of them here. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing, overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourself, you've proved that there's faith in your heart through this. You've proved that you, that you believe that God is able to bless you abundantly because of this. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession. So it's not just your confession, but it's your obedience that accompanies the confession of faith in Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else in the last two verses here. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. 
verse 15 is short here. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Did you catch that? Like their sowing produces eternal results. Like it produces eternal results. Like it, it lasts and it, it makes, like I get a call every single, we, we send it quarterly down to Pastor Ismail um, in, in Kenya. I get a call from him and an email from him every single time that money goes down there. He said, we can't thank you enough. And you know, I know, because I know him, I know it's not all about thanking us. I know he's thanked God for his provision many times before he has. And that's what this text is saying is that happens. And like you don't know the impact of your obedience. And so many of us, like we're growing to a place like we're, like we're confessing our faith. and like, yes, we love you, Jesus. But like there's got to be obedience that accompanies that confession. There's got to be obedience that would say we trust in you. Obedience impacts eternity. Like obedience impacts eternity. And I just wondered, like I, I've, you, I've talked through all this in a, in a, from a financial perspective, but man, I know some of us in the room, like we're, we're looking at some other harvest fields that have run dry. Like why, why God has, like am I lonely? Like why do I not have relationships here? Like what have you, what have you sowed into relationships lately? I know what you're longing for in relationships. Like I, I, maybe you're looking for authenticity and vulnerability in your relationships and you're not getting that back. And I just want to ask, like, what do you, what do you, sow, are you sowing vulnerability? Like maybe you want loyalty and like it seems like some people have stabbed you in the back and it's not always like apples to apples here, a direct connection, but sometimes it is. And like you, you want loyalty, but like just look at what you've been sowing. You've been sowing gossip. You shouldn't be too surprised that that person turned their back because you've been talking about them behind their back for the past six months too, okay? So what, what are we sowing? Like when we look at the harvest, like we've got to go back to sowing season because what happens is we end up missing that and we go into a dry season and we're looking at God like, what have you done to me? I'm like, oh, like I, I might have missed it. And back then in the sowing season, I was sowing something, but I was sowing the wrong things. And, and some of us are in different places, maybe it's not relationally, maybe it's, or maybe it is, maybe it's in our marriage, like we're, we're just coming up dry, and we're coming up, and there's no harvest, and like there's no like depth of connection, and like what, what are we sowing into that? What are we sowing into that? When's the last time you had a date night that was like no kids around, and like nothing, it was just, it was just you, your spouse, like just in love, and going back to that place, like what are you sowing there? Um, there's a lot of places you could connect this, and, and I want us to see that, that this can be in just a lot of different ways, but more than anything today, like, just, just get the basic principle, like, we're going to reap what we sow. It's not my words, it's not my scripture, it's not my teaching. It's Paul to the early church, and it's, it's, it's an encouragement, it's like, remember this, like, I know you're generous, like, I'm not coming at this place like you're not generous, like, I think you're amazing. But just remember this, like, it, what kind of harvest do we want? Like, let's sow in that. And for me, like, I want an eternal harvest. Like, I, I want a harvest in this city and in this room where, like, the presence of God is, is just so rich that people are being impacted in eternal ways and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We're baptizing more and more every single year, and people are growing into maturity, and the vision that's going out of this house is reaching into other communities in our city and in our state. Like, that's, that's kind of harvest I want to see, but I think God's doing something in us today to, to just take a step of faith, like whatever that looks like in our life, and 
Um, I'm, not, I'm not doing like a, a giving call here right now. Like that's not uh, what, what I'm doing, but I, I know that God's dealing with this in a lot of different ways. And so this team's going to lead us here in just a minute. And I want you to process this and be praying through this. And when it comes time this week, I think there's someone in your path. I think there's probably more than a one someone who is going to be giving praise and thanks to God because of your obedience to stop by their desk, to stop by their office and just sow a conversation. When you're busy, you got a lot going, you're just going to sow that conversation. And then a week later, they're going to be like, I can't tell you how much I thank God that you just dropped by because you didn't know this was going on. You didn't know that, that, that this just happened. You didn't know that we're getting evicted. You didn't know that my husband just left me, left me. You didn't know. You didn't know what's going on, but you were obedient to what God was asking you to do and sowing that, and it is reaping a harvest, an eternal impact. So I want you to stand this morning. We're going to pray and just worship this morning. Just let God speak into us, and as he calls us to that obedience, let's just make that bold confession. There's going to be people at each one of these crosses as we come to the table this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are able. You are able, God. And God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Like there is just this part of us that we are struggling to just wrestle with the truth of your faithfulness, God. And I just pray that that a little bit of faith would just be sowed in this house. You said faith like a mustard seed can move a mountain. And and there's mountains in, in this room, God. There's there's mountains of, of marriage uh, separation, and there's mountains of disease in our body right now, and there's mountains, God, that we can't put our finger on, but there's something in the way between where we are and where you're taking us and the fullness that you've called us to, and God, we want it. We want it, so just help us to sow. Help us to sow in worship. Help us to sow in faith. Help us to sow in relationships. Help us to sow in giving, God, that we might, we might be a part of reaping an eternal harvest and impact. In Jesus' name, amen. We get to come to the table this morning as a celebration that our obedience is not about our performance anymore. Our obedience isn't about our performance anymore. Our obedience is a celebration and an act of worship. It's, it's, it's not, hey, you failed, like you like we have grace to catch us every time, but it's this drawing into the personhood of Jesus. And, and he said, like, this is my body that's been broken for you. This is my blood that was poured out for you. And there's this unity, and I just believe in this moment as we come, I want you to come in faith and in celebration of what Jesus sowed into the ground so that we might know resurrection. Like he's, he sowed his own death and his own body and his own blood into the dirt so that we might experience the resurrection. And so I'm gonna invite you to come, come as you are today. God, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body and which was broken for us. I just pray that as we take it, we're just made whole, God, emotionally and physically and spiritually, like there is wholeness that is happening as we partake and we thank you in Christ's name, amen. Come, there's, again, there's folks at the crosses to pray with you this morning.